Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Waveform. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And it is the snowiest podcast of the year, 100%. Yeah, kind of nice, though, because minus this plow we're talking in between behind us, like the building's pretty empty and there's yeah. not a lot of cars outside. So I'm hoping it might be, it might sound pretty nice. If there's anything I enjoy about a good snowstorm, it's that the studio is very quiet because no one wants to drive through mm-hmm. a foot of snow. So yeah, hopefully there's no other background noise because of that, and uh, we're we're getting right up on the end of the year, and we've got a lot of cool sort of end of year stuff to talk about. I think our last episode of the year, which will be our next episode, yeah, we'll have some more really good fun end of year wrap up stuff. Yeah, this is also kind of like a, a bonus episode we threw in. So next week is final of the year. This is just a we're giving you guys a little extra Christmas joy, holiday cheer. But there is a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I made the joke in a video that it's sort of turning into December. It could- it's like, <laughs> this is interesting because October and November are like all the companies releasing things, like slamming it in your face. This is now kind of the things are out and we can compare everything, but we also are getting a bunch of different stories that are wrapping up the year and like oh, yeah. kind of looking forward to the next, all the tech that's going to happen next year and One of my favorite things that comes out around the holiday season every year is Mark Rober does his Glitter Bomb video. I haven't watched it yet. So he did it this year. It's the Glitter Bomb 3.0. And it's inspired by just because around the holiday season, there's lots of people mailing gifts. Obviously not Mm -hmm. seeing family. We're doing a lot of mailing gifts this season. That's exactly what I've been working on. And uh, so he, he plants these packages just to tempt porch pirates because, you know, people like to go around and literally just steal boxes from people's porches, the literal Grinches of Christmas every huh. year. Uh, and so every year his contraption becomes even more 
involved and and scientifically well done. It's just a if, great overall project he does. What were like the the upgrades to this year? So last year I remember it he it was the package. It had a tracking device in it. Yep. Had a camera, like four cameras, I think, for each side, so you could catch every angle. And then after it expelled the glitter, mm-hmm. what in like a ten foot radius? It had, I think it had like a stink bomb to make sure that people threw it away so Fart he could spray. retrieve it from the trash. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, th- what else could it go from there? So a lot of the changes that he made, you would get from the, the two previous years that he's run this uh-huh. experiment. So basically, if you watch those videos, a lot of the time, as soon as someone takes the top off of the package and the glitter comes out, they like shove the top right back on. Uh. So he has these little metal bars that will, once you open the top, slide out so you can't put the top back on and so he gets more good footage that way barb oh my god yeah and there's like a little magnetic latch that keeps them out so you can't push them back in so it was it was a lot of well thought stuff another one was a lot of times the package with the trackers and the cameras in it would get stolen and then driven around for so long and not opened and then they would die before you get any anybody opening it so he 3d printed an inductive charging case and a welcome mat that was also plugged in so basically the package had a couple pins on the bottom of it and was always charging on the welcome mat so as soon as it's stolen it's at a hundred percent on everything and it knows it's been stolen because the pins have been unconnected i feel like if apple ever wants air power to be a thing they should hire mark roper he might be he already works for apple he left so you know if they want him back on them yeah yeah it's gonna be a lot of work but I thoroughly enjoyed that. We'll link that in the show That's notes amazing. below. Um, I, I had something I actually listened to on the way in here today. Um, have you ever listened to The Daily? It's like a news podcast by the New York Times. I haven't, but I've definitely heard good okay. things about it. First of all, Michael Barbaro might be like the best voice on a podcast, minus the one time Mr. Mobile was on our podcast. But Michael Barbaro, definitely one of the smoothest voices in uh, listening. But uh, so they're just like a... a obviously a daily New York Times news uh, podcast that I usually listen to every morning. It's obviously been a lot about COVID and the election, but they had one today called Should Facebook Be Broken Up? And it was just a pretty quick, like half an hour rundown. I'm sure we've all heard that Facebook's facing a couple lawsuits about monopolies and uh, breaking up with Instagram. And it was just kind of cool to listen to kind of how Facebook started and then it, they have some old emails when Instagram was first really starting to get big about Mark Zuckerberg essentially being worried about it yeah. um, and what what they would do to stop the threat essentially and then goes in a little bit after that about Snapchat, how they tried to do something similar with Snapchat but Snapchat didn't agree and then they built stories into Instagram. So Copy, paste. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was really interesting, um, and I think it's really important. While we generally cover tech products, like this is a a potentially really really big case in tech itself, um, especially just social media in general. Like, depending how it goes, could change a lot of things we see, not just in the U.S. but like around the world. So, yeah. highly suggest giving it a listen. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. I always find myself listening to those uh, conversations and agreeing with both sides it's weirdly tough like the way they put it at the end is like it's really hard because since facebook and i don't want to be seen here like i'm defending it both of this topic so far over my head that i don't think me having any opinion on this really even like scrapes the surface of what's going on but essentially what they're offering is free so it's really hard to 
to argue that it's anti-consumer because as a consumer, it's really easy to just use something else. Mm -hmm. Then the problem comes in is what else is there if they are controlling almost everything? I think there's a big issue with Google right now and also a lawsuit that has to do with um, just advertising on the internet that Google owns almost every single aspect of like any ad selling on the internet. So right. it, it's... Yeah, again, whenever, you, whenever you ask about monopolies and should they be broken up, I think the question that always has to start off at the top is, okay, they're a monopoly. What are they a monopoly in? Mm -hmm. And so when you look at Facebook, it's like, all right, you could say that they're maybe they're a monopoly in social media. For sure. Social that, connection among humans. Social media is definitely what. And if you ask Facebook, they'll go, well, you know, Twitter is a big competitor. Uh, you know, other sites are big competitors. And we've had competitors bubble up and die in the past because it's very difficult to do what we do. But that that argument always comes up. And I think, you know, Google, obviously, their big argument is, yeah. Uh, search search and they've built that search tool so they deserve to an extent a lot of what they've made but also advertising obviously they control a massive yeah. amount of online advertising and that's that's a monopoly so but all the other little things in between like when and you're like well you can switch to a competitor like people would call apple a monopoly people call amazon a monopoly and those are those are all tougher arguments to make i think yeah they're i mean they're not like off base it's just it, it's a it's a time that's why i think this ruling and this lawsuit is so important because like when you start getting into things that aren't like real physical products that you're going and buying at the store or like you know we've worried about gas monopolies in the past we've worried about cable stuff monopolies stuff like that um mm -hmm. it, it's like all of those have these like specific prices that if you're like seriously price gouging it's very obvious what you're doing but this is now coming into the point where they're making money off of things where we're not physically paying for it. So the consume it's very way harder to argue that the consumer's getting harmed mm -hmm. or at least like the consumer's wallet is getting harmed. It's probably going to go more into like, is the consumer's privacy getting harmed and, and stuff yeah. like that. And when you see these like uh, these questions and stuff from our like our senators and our congressmen asking big tech about stuff, you wonder what's going to happen because so many of them seem to just not understand the internet at all uh yeah that's uh, the most painful part yeah so like it, it's it's tough seeing a bunch of generations that are not used to the internet asking questions about the internet it's like how are you going to tell facebook they're being a monopoly when you don't even understand they make money by selling ads so yeah it just seems like it's going to be a never-ending thing um but yeah. it's 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 worth taking a quick look into for sure yeah it would be like me trying to legislate baseball equipment like i just don't know what to do because i don't understand baseball equipment it's really it's funny because the analogy they used in the daily episode was comparing it to baseball <laughs> or at least google they said or uh, i think a congressman said if google was a baseball game they would be the pitcher the batter and the umpire interesting but either you, way but i think google baseball. would also argue we built this stadium of course we're the pitcher the batter and the umpire that kind of thing Anyway, there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, so much to I'm it. I'm sure that's a good episode, though, and I'll, I'll yeah, definitely, it have to definitely check it out. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, cool. Next step. I, I mean, quick shout out. Marquez got to interview Barack Obama. That yeah, was we talked. Not it was so a, much an interview, but yeah, still. Still, bucket list stuff. So that was a lot of people I realized didn't realize that that was pre recorded. So mm -hmm. my questions 
were pre were, were recorded on my end, yeah. sent to him. And then in the video, when you see him reach over and hit the space bar, he's pausing the video to answer the question mm-hmm. and then hit play as the question goes. Uh, it looked like he was like muting him, unmuting himself from a Zoom call. Apparently, uh, so oh, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Exactly. I just knew, it, yeah, exactly. It looks like a Zoom call. Anyway, so that was it was pre-recorded, but yeah, still bucket list stuff. We touched on tech actually a little bit about the the upside downside of tech and his administration, obviously being one of the earliest to really use social media a mm-hmm. lot. So yeah, it's worth it's worth watching. I figured I would share. It's part of a larger cut uh, where a bunch of creators asked him questions, and it's in a, a booktube video by YouTube Originals. So Definitely, we'll link our video and the book to video below. But for sure, the, the book is called A Promised Land, and so far, it's pretty great. All right, I, I want to talk about another video we put on the channel recently about a caviar phone. Um, oh, yeah, I guess if you haven't seen the video or haven't seen any of our previous videos or haven't watched any of the hundreds of caviar videos there are out there, um, how would you describe caviar? Caviar. Caviar is everything the Escobar company wanted to be. As okay, I that's put it. a great way to describe it. If <laughs> so, you know what Escobar is, which I hope listening to the podcast, we've we've complained go- we've about Escobar over. enough. Yeah. yeah. So they make they're a boutique. Here's how I'll describe them on the surface. They look like a boutique Russian manufacturer who makes crazy custom iPhones. So uh, an iPhone covered in gold for a hundred grand an iphone covered in diamonds or an iphone with a piece of the moon on the back of it or an iphone with you know the one we did was like the like super intricate like watch uh gears and stuff while also being gold like a turbulent uh, like a a watch mechanic in the back with a bunch of gold and diamonds in it they did a the cybertruck phone also which was like this all metal titanium build that's supposed to resemble elon's creation all sorts of stuff like that very you know surface level like kind of like pointless but kind of fun videos where you just kind of unbox it and go wow look at this crazy thing I look done, how much it costs look yeah. how much it costs look at this thing you've never seen and would can't imagine using yourself mm-hmm. there's a hundred of those videos on youtube um to me you know they reached out again and they were like we want to send you this iphone 12 pro with a piece of the moon on it and my first reaction was Okay, yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, I mean, if you want to send it, great. Uh, but this this one, I don't think I have any like plans. Like, I'll check it out. Yeah, you know, they want to send it to the studio again. They've done this in the past. Well, they'll send something. I'll make my video on it, and then they'll go. Let me collect that back, and you the, just give it back to them. They have like the first half of exactly how you should approach content creators down, which is like, hey, we made something. Do you think it looks kind of cool? Okay, cool. Why don't we send it to you? Sure. That's like great start, great start. But then, then they screw everything else up. Then the second that. half is weird. Yeah, the second yeah. half is they send someone out to collect it, or I mean, at least in my case, I can't speak to everyone else, but mm-hmm. they've never let me keep. Well, and they any like cons after sending it without you telling them it's going to make a video. Then they constantly say, "Where's the video?" Right. So this is so this is what happened this time. So first they reach out, they go, "Hey, we've got this iPhone with the piece of the moon in it. Do you want to check it out? Is the shipping address still the same?" I go, ah, all right, uh, sure, feel free to send it. So they do, it arrives at the studio. We all check it out, take it out the box, and I look at it, and I at this point, I look back and I say, we've done two caviar videos already. First one was the Cybertruck video. That was pure novelty, it was perfect. We love talking about the Cybertruck mm-hmm. and the design, and this was right around when the new iPhone came out, and the combination of just clickability and like curiosity was like, let's check this thing out. Mm-hmm. The second one was the gold iPhone. 
with the with the watch face on the back and all this crazy stuff. And that was literally the the pinnacle of what they do. It's like $120,000. It's the yeah. most expensive iPhone in the world. Why not just get that out the way, right? Fun video. This third one, it's like, we've made a piece of the moon in the back of an iPhone. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I, I don't even know if that is a piece of the moon. And I kind of feel weird doing a whole video about how cool it is that it's a piece of the moon when I don't even know if it is or not. Mm-hmm. And also at this point, the third video, I feel like I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of advertising for you at this point. I'm sending a lot of people to your website every time we do a video. Yeah. So uh, I just kind of put the phone to the side, and a couple days went by, and I just didn't. Dis- I just didn't feel the need to do a video. You know, it might show up in a background Easter egg or something yeah. once in a while. That happens when you send stuff to our studio, but I didn't have any video plans. Right? They they pop up in the inbox. Hey, and then they're a Russian company, so it's you know a little bit translated, but they're basically like, "When's the video?" Uh, so I just replied, we don't have any plans for a video at this time. And I kind of said what I just said to you. It might show up in the background. It might end up in a video. But again, no plans for a video at this time. And immediately they're, they're very persistent. This is the same guy I talked to for the first two videos. He was mm-hmm. like, well, at least tell me when the video is going to be. I was like, again, we don't have plans for a video. And at that point, I decided to make a video. <laughs> yeah, I think I said something to you like, this guy keeps asking. He's going to get a video. He's just not going to like it very yeah, much. Yeah, he was very persistent. And that's when I, I realized that I wanted to talk about the concept of this video in general, which is like yeah. this boutique manufacturer. And the fact that it happens to be caviar every time, because if you go on YouTube and you search for any sort of crazy headlines, gold iPhone, most expensive iPhone, crazy you know iphone unboxing Mm -hmm. it always seems to be a caviar phone and uh so i went back and i i did a little research looked watched back over those videos and uh also did some research about the moon and just like do pieces of the moon end up on earth at all had a little chat with neil degrasse tyson on video where he explained how pieces of the moon end up on earth and basically the, the whole video came together as like a a little bit of investigative journalism or whatever you want to call it. I think people were calling it, but it was basically talking about the concept of this boutique manufacturer using the press that comes from these YouTube headlines to direct people to their site. And I think our biggest question after all of this is, I guess some people have to be buying it, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm... So, like, originally when they did the, like, $100,000 phone, to me that almost felt more reasonable that maybe they're making some money here because, like if you have something with such incredibly high profit margins and yeah. is just wildly like there are people out there with money to spare that will probably buy that and you only have to sell a couple these ones are in this like 5 to 7000 dollar range or like 5 to 15000 dollar range most of them yeah which like doesn't is stupidly expensive where it takes out 99% of every buyer who wants a phone but then even those people who like want to just flash something like chances are that's not going to be like that's still not going to be good enough or like insane enough for somebody who just wants to just all the time be like I'm holding a $100,000 phone. I feel like it's kind of like jewelry like people yeah. who buy $50,000 diamond earrings or like $500,000 diamond watches like yeah, you need that high, high end with the crazy, crazy profit margins. And now it's in this spot in the middle where no one's going to buy it on either spectrum. I just yeah. don't really get it. But I I still would say, like, even if they only sell a few 
to like random Russian rich people, uh, let's say they sell five hundred thousand dollar iPhones, mm-hmm. it kind of just subsidizes the rest of your store and you can just kind of build your reputation on all the weird stuff that you put in your store so that's my other thing though is i thought maybe the rest of the store would have some things that are like overpriced and flashy but not crazy but i think that one of the cheapest things on the store was like fifteen hundred dollar airpods pro like nothing i thought maybe like some hundred and fifty dollar cases that like had some intricate gold trim or oh, no, like they only do the best yeah uh, they only no, do the like, highest end. i thought they would have something a little smaller to like make up for that and then what what would happen is these youtube videos about a hundred thousand dollar phone brings people to the site and they say i want to be flashy like that but i can't afford that so i'm going to buy this 150 fifty dollar case which still has a crazy profit margin because it's yeah like a 20 dollar case at best um yeah they just don't have that so i'm very confused and yeah, it was very strange they have some new ones lately that seem even harder. Like the Moonrock one you went over with Neil, that like that's totally a possibility. It makes no sense at all. But so my conversation it with could Neil, be real. yeah, basically landed on yes, there are uh, missions that have gone from Earth to the Moon to collect pieces of it and bring them back. Those are in the possession of the government, and you can't buy those. But also, there is a notoriously large amount of impacts on the moon you look at the moon it's like yeah. covered in craters there's no atmosphere on the moon stuff hits the moon all the time breaks off pieces of it immediately leaves the moon's orbit and eventually falls to earth and all that stuff there's tons of that just kind of sitting around mm-hmm. hitting earth all the time and you can uh, identify it you can buy and sell that stuff and uh, from our research about up to a thousand dollars a gram so it's not the worst but it's definitely a like if you look at this iPhone, it is a tiny, like grain of sand oh, sized piece of the moon in the back of the phone. Like a a coarse piece of like sea salt. Yeah. Probably. Tops. Yeah. And so you look at that and you're like, this isn't worth that much, but if it is really a piece of the moon, it could be fine. But they also sell one with a piece of Mars, and they also sell one with a piece of Mercury. And they also sell one that they claim has a slice of the fabric from Steve Jobs' original black turtleneck. Yeah. And they also claim to sell one with a piece of the motherboard of a working Apple One computer. I think they said, like, the Apple One computer, like, the original, which... See, this is where I think those two... First of all, even if the sweater one was real, that's one of those things where, at first, you're like, this isn't real... And then for whatever reason, if they prove it's real, you're like, why on earth do I want a piece of Steve Jobs sweater in my phone? I either want the sweater. Yeah. Or I I don't I don't think I want a tiny piece of it that I can never touch glued to the back of the phone that I'm not yeah. gonna use next year. It's really it's just really weird. I don't wanna carry around a piece of some guy's clothes. Yeah, I don't despite want, how I don't want it. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I think we found another video, or you found another video of somebody who found a, who looked into the the Apple circuit board claim and it was, found a bunch of fake ones online that look very similar. Yeah, I'm gonna find this and we'll link this in the show notes. Yeah, another yeah. YouTuber did a breakdown. It's it basically serves as a part two to my video. It's really good. Yeah, it basically goes over the one talking about the Apple One and the motherboard and why he has a, enough evidence to be pretty confident that it's be not very real. skeptical. Yeah. Um, some of that coming from the fact that the photos used on their site don't have a lot of the stuff that is usually connected <laughs> to a working forgot. board and oh. that it matches up perfectly with Google Images, 
of an edited photo from an eBay listing of a fake board. Yeah, that made me laugh so hard because that's like, if you ever want to, if you ever find a website that's on like Instagram advertising and you want to know if they drop ship, the number one way to find out that is if you're in Chrome, right click and search Google for this image. And when you find 30 AliExpress with the exact same image, so literally all he did was like the the drop shipping. Uh, yeah. Classic investigation find. yeah classic find so that's so funny so you see that on the site and you're like even if even if it's real this is way too sketch like would they really buy a working apple one and then slice up the motherboard to put it on the back of a phone like really why yeah. would that why would that be real is the question so uh anyway we, you should check out that video it kind of comes full circle because our whole thing was questioning what caviar is even doing in the first place why they exist they kind of live off of the good headlines, and I did not link to their site this time. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like that that's probably the last time they'll send me anything. They haven't gotten back probably. to me, by the way. That, uh, that we email, also haven't been offed by a like Russian mobster yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yet. So yeah, we've our blinds are closed for the next couple months. <laughs> yeah, they obviously know where we're at because they shipped the phone here. So anyway, if you're listening, uh, please don't do that. Yeah. If if you had to guess what their next insane phone would be, what would it have in it? Their next insane phone, and we, we talked about this, is like they kind of attach it to the latest phone because everyone's talking about the iPhone 12 Pro for a couple months. Yeah, and I should have thought year. about this question before we started, so we could have, I just thought of it now, so we're going a little off the top of the head here. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess it'll be an iPhone 12 Pro, and it'll have a piece of like Mount Everest, That's like a good up glued Mount to Everest. the top, like near the canvas. Of like the Everest summit? Yeah. And you'll never, ever be able to verify that. <laughs> I, I want one. It has to be one of one. And I want it to have the garage door opener from the garage that started Apple. Yeah, for sure. Just glued onto the Just back a piece of, of plastic. Just a giant chunk on yeah. the A piece of plastic yeah. from <laughs> the garage door opener. Yeah. Um, okay, that's enough of that's enough of caviar. Just just go watch the caviar video. I think the conversation with Neil is the most entertaining part it's of It's definitely that. entertaining. And it's up there with the theme of doing way too much research for a video because I also did a video on the FlexPi <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a second. So, if you're on to the theme of way too much research, it's You a good can one. tell we have a we've gone a little crazy through um Techtober and Techvember, whatever we even call them anymore, it's but we're having a little too much fun with our videos in December. Um <laughs> All right, one more one more quick thing before our ad break. I asked you this before. Have you seen there's a couple articles coming out about Instagram Lite? Never seen this. All right, so I'm going to explain to you this this new app. Okay, go. Tell me what you think about it. Go for it. Imagine Instagram. Wait, you should pitch it like a shark on Shark Tank. Okay, I'll, I'll be the it. shark and you just pitch okay. it like it's an idea. Okay, sharks. I'm coming to you with a revolutionary idea. Okay. Instagram. But Wait, that's every pitch. That's every pitch as they go, it's like Snapchat, but... I feel like every pitch that does start like that, you should basically just say, I'm out. Because it's Uber, but for... It's Uber, but not well-known and making no money. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, so Instagram, but no Reels, no IGTV, and no Shop. Sounds great. I know, right? Okay. billion-dollar idea. Are there still uh, stories? Yes, there are still stories. Okay. So... What it is is, and unfortunately right now it's only available in India. So essentially it's, they did a Facebook light for certain regions beforehand and it's essentially for regions that generally have way less band, internet bandwidth right. and also uh, 
like phones that have less memory so it like it's harder to run that so it's a, it's a really small app really lightweight obviously apparently it even i was just reading some of uh the like i pulled it up in the app store and it wouldn't let me download it which i'm really bummed about because i would love that um it seems like it doesn't even have dark mode like it, it's just super super bare bones right instagram um but it's just funny that even though it's region locked I saw all over Twitter people like, oh, oh my goodness, I would love this. And it's just Instagram has gone from such this like little, I don't want to call it tiny, but like very, very simple app to just being like buttons everywhere and stuff everywhere. And there's just so much of it now. It's it's, at the risk of sounding like an old person. I'm going to start kind of there when it comes to tech. I hate to say it. I don't say this sentence very often, but I remember the days. When Instagram was just photos from your phone, and you they it took them a minute to even make a desktop site, so it was just Instagram, the app on your phone. You couldn't upload photos that you'd already taken. You had to use the Instagram camera to take Uh a photo and then maybe add a filter and then upload. And that was the point. I think that's why it's called Instagram is because it was instant. Really fun fact which was in the episode of The Daily that I talked about before, Instagram was originally called Bourbon. And that is because the two people who created it wanted to do an app where you would check into places. And they, I guess because of that, they, the one guy enjoyed Bourbon and that's why they named it that. And it was Hmm. based on going to places and checking in and being a social media app that showed places you had been, but Foursquare took off more so. Yeah. And then they realized that so many people on Facebook like to post pictures and that the picture aspect of Facebook was kind of taking off. So they wanted an easier way, instead of focusing on checking in, it was focusing on pictures and then showing where the picture was taken. Okay. Um, and that's kind of how they, they pivoted, named it Instagram. I don't remember, it didn't say why they named it Instagram, but that makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, yeah. And then like kind of the thing that, that really set them apart was it had, to now we think the filters are completely ridiculous, but back then when you were taking pictures on iPhone 4, I think they said was right around when that happened. Um, yep. Cameras weren't great. So like black and white and sepia made you seem like this like pro photographer to everybody. So you were taking these quote unquote professional looking photos with phones where cameras were starting to get really popular and sharing them really easily. So yeah, that's that's kind of what it started at. Now we're at, hey, look, a picture someone took. Oh, an ad. Oh, an ad. Oh, an ad. Oh, an, a reel. Oh, I don't know reel. what that is anymore. Oh, now a shop uh, page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I definitely, that makes a lot of sense. I, I do remember, like, so if I was pitching that, I'd be like, it's like Flickr, but, like, you can only upload from your phone. And we, we hide your very poor photography skills with filters. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, that 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 whole Instagram Does light thing. I've seen versions of that. Like there is Android light phones. The focus is definitely on bandwidth, so they're yeah. trying to reduce how much internet usage you are needing to to properly run that experience. And having a light version for those markets makes a lot of sense. But also, it does sound pretty great to have a just yeah, a good old fashioned throwback Instagram. Yeah. So if anyone's the XDA developers article that I read about this um, does claim in the end you can sideload it like any other Android app. Um, neither of us have tried, obviously, because Marquez just learned about it yeah. 10 seconds ago. Um, but I'll, I'll link the article in the show notes if anyone wants to give it a shot. Honestly, if, if it was pretty easy, I, 
I would debate doing it. Um, that sounds fantastic. But uh, all right, want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, way too much research and FlexPy 2 and some other stuff. We'll be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it, because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte. Team up. Fight on.
All right, we're back. Let's talk about folding screens for a second. Yeah. Folding screens... Not I, something we talk about very often here. Well, <laughs> I talk about... I, I like to categorize it as this world of alternate form factors. So it's more yeah. than just folding screens, but most of them are folding. I think mm-hmm. I, I toss LG Wing in there because there's a swiveling phone and there's some other stuff happening. But folding phones, rollable phones, what's the right way to do this new th- flexible screen thing? Maybe that's what it is, flexible screens. Yeah. Um, and I think when I got the Royal FlexPi 2, I was thinking like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do a video about this phone. It's not that great but it is pretty different from the first one. And in fact, the more I played with it, the more I was impressed that, hey, they changed a lot. They really, like, it's still bad, but they did a lot of good stuff They here. did. When the first one's so bad, it definitely is easy, but you still have to give them credit because they exactly. wildly changed it. Exactly. And so the that conclusion that I came to in my head of, they changed a lot, and this is very much improved, and it's still terrible, and I would never recommend it, Got me thinking, got the gears turning a little bit about maybe maybe folding it on the outside is just not the move. And the more I the more I see it and the more I think about it, it seems like that is the absolute hardest way to do a folding screen. For sure. Now, there are great arguments for why that's the way we should do a folding screen. Yeah. I don't want to ignore those because if you look yeah. at obviously having a screen on the outside and a screen on the inside, that's two screens versus one. If you can just have one aspect ratio. Uh, you know, big inside screen and like focus on that experience and then fold it in half and end up with like a pretty decent size outside mm-hmm. screen. That's probably easier and better if the technology is good enough. Yes. But the technology is not good enough. No, and I don't think we're anywhere near the technology to be able to do that. Um, right. I-, I agree with you. I think folding outside, like the Huawei Mate X is still one of the coolest looking I'm going to call it a concept because I'm still convinced nobody has really had time to use that phone outside of like a Huawei employee staring over their shoulder. I have Um, not seen one in person yet. We have not. And I'd like to say you you usually have a pretty solid chance of getting um, pre-release tech to to check out. Yeah, usually there's a shot. Yeah. So like it looks great. The problem is, is like, these phones are, or these screens are so fragile that even with Fold 2, Flip 2, Razor, we're still seeing super, super delicate screens that are breaking fairly easily. I mean, like, not everyone is breaking, but when you compare it to all the other phones that are out there, they're breaking far more common. Yeah. And those are protected when they're in your pocket. Now, imagine just having that folded out, dealing with your pocket, dealing with placing on a table. You can't really put a case on it, so it's just... Yeah, it's just exposed all the time. And, yeah, it's just not ready. Here's the other thing I noticed, and this is how you know it's not ready, is every folding phone has some sort of trick to getting it to fold and to not have you notice that it's not folding flat. Uh So when when you fold a piece of paper in half, it's flat. You can literally crease it. you You can fold it completely in the opposite direction, and that would be awesome. Folding screens can't do that. There, there are several layers thick. There's protective layers over the top. You can't fold them completely flat in half. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is sort of create this curve where it's not quite folded in half, but maybe the the two edges on one side are touching and they, I'm trying to like explain Almost like with a my mushroom, hands. like it, it comes up the stem and then bubbles out. Makes and a bulb. Call, yeah, a bulb. Yeah, so all of these phones have to do something to avoid folding flat. So if you look at the razor, when you fold the razor in flat, the pieces you're touching 
they fold over flat. But if you look inside, inside the razor yeah. when it's folding, it's like shifting the screen down into the chin and it's pushing the display backwards a little bit. So it's making that bulb mm -hmm. so you don't go flat. Same thing with the Galaxy Fold. It's doing, if you look at like a cross-section version of it, that screen, when you fold it flat, is curving around inside the hinge instead of folding flat. Uh -huh. So this fold word we use is maybe a little bit misleading because none of them are folding. They're just curving at a really tight radius. Now, when you fold around the outside, there's nowhere to hide that bulb. You have to just have the phone be that thick, and as thick as the phone is is as thick as the bulb will be. So ultimately, though, it's not like around the outside would never have to crease because it's always going to have the back side of the right. the rails in between it so i guess like ultimately it doesn't need that crease and doesn't need so much of a place to to protect it from creasing but you still have like you just have to deal with the fact that it's unprotected all the time yeah exposed to the elements it, it's like one of those things where it again ultimately in a perfect world outward folding screens probably do make the most sense there's the least sacrifice you have to make it if you can have a screen that can endure everyday life. So here's that perfect world. Uh, in the press release for the Royal FlexPi 2, they described the two sides of the phone <laughs> like the wings of a cicada. And I was like, oh yeah, I, just, I can picture a cicada. The wings are pretty thin. They said it's thin and light like the wings of a cicada. But then I, I was kind of curious, like why did they pick a cicada? And so, you know, if you look it up, yes, uh, a cicada is a, a well endeared animal uh, mm -hmm. insect actually in China. And I guess they felt the need to use that animal because it was good luck and that's cool and everything. But the more I looked into a cicada, the more really interesting stuff I found about this particular insect, besides the fact that they come out of the ground like once every 17 years per species to make these crazy noises, besides the planet earth clip that I watched about how they're so dumb and don't really do anything right, but there's just so many of them that they overwhelmingly fill the population of their predators and they are no longer even wanted to be eaten anymore. Huh. There's so besides all of that, the wings of a cicada um are one of the most unique wings in all of nature. It's similar to the wing of a dragonfly, but they have these tiny nano pillars across the top of it. You can't see it by looking at it, but it looks like a transparent wing and these tiny tiny pillars that totally coat the top of the wing act as a hydrophobic coating because mm -hmm. a water droplet lands on it isn't small enough to fit in between the pillars and so it just rolls across the top of the pillars it's a sort of a waxy type substance it's like rain x yeah exactly <laughs> and it just rolls off the top of the wing so this thing's walking around has you know whatever you want to think about a cicada but like it rains and the, the 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 water just rolls right off the wing it gets dirt on the wing this is even cooler i think and that dirt sits on top of those wax pillars. And then when water rolls across the top, it just sweeps just away sweeps the dirt. Huh. Self-cleaning method. I'm like, wow, this is an incredible system. <laughs> on top of that, if a tiny water droplet is small enough to get in between the wax pillars and a couple of those all sort of arrive around the same area, surface tension will adhere them together and they will pop up out of the wax pillars because surface tension acts as yeah, like a yeah, spring yeah. at that level and it just springs out and then rolls off the top. This huh. is incredible. I'm reading all this. I'm it's... like, yo, cicadas are amazing. Cicadas' wings are some of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, this natural level of protection that they have would be amazing to apply to a folding phone like the FlexPi. 
because then it would be that perfect world where it doesn't matter that the screen is exposed to the elements. It's got this self-healing, self-protective layer on top that makes it okay. And in that world, the fold across the outside is a great way to go. But we're not in that world yet. Only cicadas are. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you just need to harvest cicada wings before and we'll be good. Um, I think some people like kind of saw the video as like being upset that we thought it wasn't we we didn't say they should like stop working on it it's just that at a consumer level right now it feels almost pointless to be releasing phones like this and expecting people to buy them because i can't think of a single person who would recommend that phone for anyone to go out and buy and again they're not cheap yeah. um despite FlexPy probably being some of the cheaper ones i don't remember the exact price on them but it seems like something that should just continue in research and development, stuff we should maybe see at CES to kind of show off what's happening, but yeah. stuff that shouldn't really leave a bubble or ever have fingernails touch it, ever. Yeah, I don't uh, mind the attempt. In a long time, yeah. I don't mind the attempt at all. I, I, I titled the video, It's Time to Stop, because I think that sort of uh, summarized all of my thoughts about this folding out screen design, but at the same time, I wanted to give them credit because they did try something. Yes. They did improve massively on last year's version, which was great. Uh, it folded flat, unlike previous versions. They did reach out to me after the video saying that the cracking sound that I was hearing is was not bad. the way it's supposed to be. And I don't blame them for saying that, but they also promised to send me another version that they swear won't have cracking. They said maybe something during shipping or handling caused that. So. I'll, I'll confirm that if it happens, but yeah, hopefully it, that's not normal. That's a tough thing. I mean, like, we got sent one of them, and it did that, and their last one did it. Even if they send a new one, yeah, it makes me wonder. It's yeah, tough to I, say what the actual everyday consumer is going to get when they buy one. And like you said, it's um, our old one, you said in the video, like, it cracked a bunch at first, and then after a while, it started sounding better. So maybe stuff just does stiffen up. The problem is, is I don't think these phones are going to sell a lot. So if you decide to buy one, it's probably been on the shelf for a bit. It's going to crack, and that's the last thing you want to hear when you're spending that much money on yeah on a phone like that. Yeah, it's tough. This is with, with reviews. We always come across this where it's like I can only speak to my experience. Sometimes, uh, sometimes products have like serious problems after they launch, and I'll get a bunch of tweets like Marquez, why didn't you talk about this issue they're having? It's like, well, because mine didn't have that issue. I would have loved to have had some sort of experience with something like that, and I would gladly report on it, talk about it. Um, When mine does have an issue, then I will talk about the issue I had. So that's the situation with the Hinge. But other than that, um, uh, I'm looking forward to, like, the next next Fold. I'm looking forward to the next Z Flip, the next Razer, the next Surface Duo. Like, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the alternate form factor universe. Did you see that article from... um I think it was Android Police. One of the reviewers over there had a Z Fold 2 and they started getting this pretty bad bubble. I shouldn't say pretty bad, very bad bubble right on the crease. Hmm. They bought, I think it's like when you buy the Z Fold 2, you get entered in some sort of like premium, they call it like premium customer support or Premier. something like that. Yeah. That's supposed to be able to fix the screen. So they, he said he sent it back. I'll post the show notes, uh, the link of this in the show notes, because it was really interesting. He sent the phone back. They attempted to fix it, sent it back to him, claiming it was fixed. He said it was potentially worse than it was before because maybe the bubble was a little smaller, but like you could see instead of replacing the screen protector, they just tried to push the bubble out. Like I've tried this with like dbrand stuff and dbrand's 
much different than that. And actually, you can heat it up and push bubbles out, but it's not easy. So I'm sure this they're just like prints on whatever tool they tried scraping into the screen. Mm. So then he called them back, obviously was not happy. They asked him to send it back. And then unfortunately, UPS lost the package. Um, <laughs> the problem after that, though, is even with this like premier service that you're getting, he said, Samsung just blames UPS. UPS blames Samsung because technically they made the label. So Samsung's the one who has to deal with all of that. And I, the only way he basically got it resolved is because he has enough of a following due to being on Android police that yeah. it made a little bit of a... So like, first of all, that's an inside folding screen onto somebody who knows what they're doing, obviously with phones, had a problem. Then a, a big problem with customer support after that. It just foldables are very 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 hard to recommend right now i would almost argue i don't think i would recommend any foldable to anyone but that's just me personally and i know yeah none of my friends i think i could trust them with a folding phone um so like that just makes the outside folding phone again to wrap this all back up i could i can't see myself recommending an outward folding phone for at least like five years yeah and there's only two really that i've <laughs> yeah, ever they're seen not, it's so. not hard to not recommend them but. yeah but yeah, I think uh, speaking of things that are hard to recommend, $550 headphones, anyone? What what a segue. Yeah, I landed on that one pretty well. Uh, AirPods Max are out. The surprise release happened. I don't remember exactly everything we talked about it in the, in the last episode, but the review is it's out now. It's pretty short, yeah. Yeah, I've used them a lot over the last couple days, listened to them a lot, compared them a lot, and uh, reviewed them. Basically, if you want to summarize my thoughts without watching the video... They sound great. The noise cancellation is fantastic. Mm -hmm. The transparency mode is incredible. Spatial audio is pretty cool. Build quality is very nice, but also heavy. And the case is stupid. And I <laughs> that think that's is universally, it. yeah. If, it, there are a lot of different opinions based on them from what I've seen and everybody getting their stuff out. But universally, from the biggest Apple fans I've seen, the case is dumb and people do not like the case at all yeah i there was one article i think of someone trying to defend the case but if you can who i want to find that article. it's a an interview with the people who designed the case okay, okay. <laughs> so but yeah the 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 headphones themselves uh you know a lot of questions about them just about like where where do they fit in what do you even compare them to i think at first i was tempted to compare them to like the highest end stuff uh, similar to the Pro Display XDR, that comes out, it's a $6,000 screen. You compare, at least Apple initially inspires you to compare it to the highest end $35,000, $45,000 reference monitors that people editing movies use. Mm -hmm. um, so when these headphones come out at 550 bucks and you don't have that in-person briefing experience, to me, I'm holding my Sony XM4s. I'm like, this is the same product category, right? Rightfully so. Noise-canceling yeah. wireless headphones. Um but I'm like, I'm thinking like, is there a Pro Display XDR version here where I should compare them to the Sennheiser HD 820s or something like that? Are they going to sound that incredible? Um, but the conclusion I landed on is no. Uh, the Sennheisers and a lot of those reference grade headphones that I would I would call studio monitors are intended to sound accurate and flat, and they don't really have that many fun consumer listening features. They're built because they're plugged into a preamp and they need to sound as accurate and flush as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a whole nother world of just fun listening headphones uh, that these fall directly into. And they are a luxury version of them 
They're gonna be wireless, they're gonna connect to all your Apple devices, they're gonna sound fantastic, but they're also gonna be made of metal and they're gonna have these magnetic replaceable ear cups and these other things like spatial audio that you don't see in all of the other headphones. And just just a very strange set of checked boxes uh, with these headphones. Like when you once you check the box that is made of metal, you immediately eliminate most other headphones. Uh, I found out the, the Bose 700s do have an aluminum case around the outside, basically. They have aluminum in them, but it's very thin. That's the ones we have out there, right? Yeah, the 700s. Oh, yeah. And the Beats Pro that I brought up are solid metal. Um, it so feels like you're just wearing a metal helmet. They're, that's they're not terrible. Yeah. They're awful. But, you know, you check that box, you immediately re- remove a bunch of other headphones. But even if you don't check that box, you go, okay, removable ear cups. What other headphones have quickly, easily, magnetically removable ear cups? That's a great system that they built. I don't see that very often. When you check the box of spatial audio and instantly connects to a bunch of other Apple devices and has H1 chips, what other headphones check that box? Like, that's another interesting, unique point. So basically, my conclusion is no one of these things is worth $550. They're not built Mm -hmm. so well that they're worth 550 bucks. The telescoping ear cup thing that's like really nicely tight, like it's nice and satisfying to open and close, that's difficult to make. That, t- that requires very tight tolerances and that's expensive, but does that make it $550? No. You know, the, the H1 chip in each ear cup, the, the nine total microphones, the on-ear detection, all the smart features, the digital crown, does that make it worth 550 bucks? No. It's really good. It's mm-hmm. top of the line. It's best transparency mode I've ever heard, but I wouldn't pay 550 bucks just for that. Okay, then we go to the sound quality. Is this sound so good that I immediately classify it alongside all the other $550 headphones? Don't get me wrong. They sound very good, mm-hmm. but I don't think the sound by itself puts it markedly ahead of the Sonys. I think yeah. they cost, they sound like about, about as good as the Sonys, a little bit of different character, a little bit of different noise cancellation, Maybe that's worth 50 extra bucks, but I'm not going to 550 just on the sound. Yeah. But all of this stuff put together, all of this combined, the removable ear cups, the Apple compatibility, the ecosystem, all this stuff, for some people, that is worth the luxury price. It's it's like you're getting diminishing returns after a certain point. Like when you have when you have things that like a bunch of them are in the same category. So you think of quiet comforts, you think of XM4s, like they're all doing a bunch of things really well and they're all really, really close to each other. So like Apple had to, you know, their headphones, they're supposed to sound good. They're supposed to connect wirelessly. They're supposed to have good noise canceling. It's a really well-defined category. It's a mature category. You have generations of these Bose headphones that have been like industry standard for flying on planes. You see them all the time. The Sonys have like broken in and basically it's what you're saying. It's like they've got to sound good, noise cancellation, comfortable and multiple device support and that's all anyone cares about so apple had to find a ton of different things to place inside of it to make all these little tiny everyday use cases just like that little bit better Mm. and i guess in their eyes and potentially some people's eyes that's worth an extra 200 250 bucks compared to the other things i think that category is very small I don't think there's a lot of people who think these are for the masses headphones. Yeah, here, so this is this is my hot take because I think anytime Apple comes out with a new tech, anything, new product, immediately we go, oh, it's made by Apple. It's it's supposed to be for everyone, right? Because this mm-hmm. is a company that makes the iPhone and the MacBook Air and like all these products. And AirPods. I think AirPods. AirPods are like some of the most revolutionary like 
music listening devices in a very long time. Right. So as soon as Apple comes out with a product that's obviously not for the masses, but it's still made by Apple, immediately all of the comparisons are, wow, this is overpriced or this isn't for you and this is this is bad. Stuff like the Mac Pro, you know, all the articles about how Apple made a $100,000 computer or the, I mean, the stupid wheels or the Pro Display XDR mm-hmm. costing too much, all this stuff. Um, but my hot take is this, this pair of headphones is actually one of their better ideas for a new product. Really? Because I think if they did try to make a $350 pair of headphones to slot right in that very well-defined category of like, let's say Apple just made the Sony XM4s, but with an H1 chip and could connect to multiple devices. I think people would immediately go, hmm. I mean, I don't, first of all, I think if they made that product, it would cost more than the Sony's because of the Apple tax. I think they'd go like $499 with something like that. And people would all just go buy the Sony's. It's the same thing. But I think Apple sees that well-defined category and doesn't jump right into the deep end. They sort of steer a little bit wide and make something that doesn't have a comparable. Like you can you can mm-hmm. put any any single other pair of headphones up against it, and there's always just missing checkboxes. You put them up against the Sennheiser HT 650s or something like that. It's like uh maybe there's removable ear cups and the sound is just as good, but also they're wired and they're open back and it's just different. Yeah. You put them up against the Sony's and it's like, well, Apple's are made of metal and Apple's of very different sound and Apple's of much better transparency mode. It's just not quite the same thing. So I think it's smart of them not to jump in right next to Surface headphones, Bose 700s, XM4s, and make something that sort of carves its own path. And then later down the road, when they make the AirPods Max Lite SE. AirPods. AirPods Max (laughs) SE. Yeah. Their then, naming scheme screwed that. But yeah, their but, naming scheme makes me wonder if there's going to be a product around there, though. So I think there will be. I think okay. I almost I almost went into this in the video about how this is kind of like the Tesla strategy. But basically, they start off with something really high priced. We've seen this exactly happen with HomePod. Um, $350 for a speaker that's entirely focused on sound. We've been proving for years that people don't pay extra for great sound quality. The masses don't anyway. Yeah. So this is not a product for the masses. But they build their reputation there. And then, what was it, a year and a half later, we got HomePod Mini, 99 bucks. Everyone goes, oh, HomePods, those are the things that sound really good. I can get one now. And they they mm. just immediately have that reputation built in. So now what do you think is going to happen when the AirPods Max SE come out in a year or two? Everyone's going to go, oh, I can get Apple's high-quality over-ear headphones now for cheap. That's what it's going to look like. It does Like, I would, I think... Take, like imagine an XM4 in Apple's ecosystem with H1 chip, multi-device support, stuff like that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, trying to, what do you knock off of AirPods Max? You don't do replaceable ear cups. What will the new version cheaper have? Yeah, like what what do you take away from AirPods okay. Max to be that $300, $350? Doesn't have removable ear cups. Yep. Doesn't get made of metal. I think that's a pro. I still think they're way too heavy. I would not want to wear those for a long amount of time. I like, think that's true. For I don't a think lot I could wear those on a long flight. Yeah, I I am I have obviously not flown with them. <laughs> I haven't. Uh-huh. But I have sat around the house with them for for like three hours straight and I was surprised at how comfortable they were. Now I wasn't doing a lot of moving or like shaking my head yeah. or anything like that, but only thing that happened was they're over ear and my ears got a little hot. But that was three hours. Mm-hmm. So I, I was impressed with that. But yeah, I think uh, you definitely get a plastic version. And they'll probably say, you know, 
look at these new colors from the plastic. Basically, we have all the iPad Air colors with the AirPods Max, so we'll probably get plastic versions and some mm-hmm. new colors. No removable ear cups, and I'll say uh, 249. 240, that's like right at XM4. I could see, I think people, an extra 50 bucks, an extra 100 bucks even potentially, if you just get the benefits of like H1 chip and, and just like in the Apple ecosystem would be worth it, I think. There's so um, many products that I want Apple aren't to make. AirPods Pro 250? They are. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd have to be a little more. Two ninety nine, maybe. Two ninety, yeah. I, I think three three fifty is a good. I could see good that. spot for those. I think a lot of people would kill for those. Maybe, like you said, this is probably not a device that's meant to explode their profits. Because um, mm-hmm. what didn't AirPods, AirPods and AirPods Pro themselves make more than like? Weren't they like the tenth yeah. highest? If you put them in their own business, they would have been like the tenth highest grossing grossing technology company. Yeah, which is crazy. Insane. Insane profits from AirPods. But I think generally this strategy that Apple can can pull off as a luxury company is, uh, I think it translates pretty well. I think, it, I think it's going to work for headphones and I think they're going to make new ones. And I think if you just map this to any other product category you wish Apple made, they probably would be totally comfortable doing the same thing. Like if Apple made a toaster, their first toaster would easily be a memeable $700 all metal super thin no buttons like toaster with an H1 chip that plugs into the home kit app like it would be the ultimate toaster in every way they'd redesign coils so huh. you didn't even see them you just slot it in this metal thing and it would heat the metal it would just be this crazy thing and it would get memed and there would be some one or two things that are really stupid about it and it would have problems and then 2 years later they would make a price, like a, a still very premium priced version mm-hmm. that inherits the reputation of the technology developments of the more expensive one. I think that's the key. And then they, they end up putting out a $150 toaster, which is still an expensive toaster, but that has a lot of that stuff that you were looking forward to. That's like the Apple strategy, boiled down to a toaster. There you go. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. I was, uh, I was thinking as we were writing this, um, if Caviar were to make airpods max what what would be the special thing about it i think they do they oh, make oh, an airpods, they make max. AirPods pro sorry yeah the max oh boy Ma- well <laughs> they would take the uh oh, could you imagine how heavy they would be <laughs> they're gonna be solid gold they already make some heavy a uh, heavy iphone the so. iphones are have to be triple the weight i feel like yeah something they're like insane that. so like these are already the airpods max are like 100 grams more than the sony so like Sony's were 200 something grams. AirPods were 380. 386 grams, yeah. It was like a 30% increase in weight. Yeah. This would be like your neck would get a workout if you had to wear them. Some um, heavy cans. My, my initial thought was uh, Tim Cook's, a lock of hair from Tim Cook's head as an Apple logo in the side. I think they would got to do Craig first. Craig? Oh, Craig's hair. They're doing yeah, hair. true. If they're we're doing, doing hair, hair we, we got to hit Craig. Craig up first. Shout All out right. to Craig for being on the podcast. He's such a good sport about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that could be a thing. That's I just it. I just picture them like dipping parts of it in gold. Like it's already Probably. made of metal, but like just dip the, the air cups in gold. Dip the removable cushions in gold so they're not even soft anymore. They're just, they're just rock <laughs> just solid scrape this out of your gold head. ear cushions. Yeah. There you go. That's your idea, caviar. Cool. Free. There we go. 
like us again. Just kidding. We don't care if you like us. Please, not. it's fine. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a good way. To, that's a good place to end it. Talking about yeah. a toaster made by Apple and some solid gold headphones. Uh, we got one more episode coming up by the end of the year, and hopefully you guys are staying tuned for that. But also a lot of the end of the year stuff, the best stuff of December is like right around the corner. You already know about smartphone awards. You already mm-hmm. know about the end of the year stuff and then the, the early 2021 stuff around the corner. So stay tuned for that on the channel. Show notes have got all the stuff we talked about. Lots of stuff this time. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next week. Waveform is brought to you in part with Studio 71 and our intro-outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.